Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock, he constantly bricks threes, and he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. I'm Honey German. And I'm Carolina Bermudez. And, and this, this is Life in Spanglish. And you know we're cooking it up in here. We got that arroz con pollo waiting for you. Why are you looking at me so confused? Because I'm like, what we cooking? We don't have a stove. <laughs> you got the bajo. I'll get, you know, the, you got the mangu. We got it all for you at Life in Spanglish. I need a sancocho if I'm getting any type of food. Listen and follow on the iHeartRadio app or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey everybody and welcome to Movie Crush, Mini Crush, Mini Crush. It's the little crush. It's the tiniest, littlest, cutest damn crush on the internet. And yet it still crushes you. That isn't about baby goats. <laughs> uh, how you doing, Noel? I'm doing okay, man. I'm about, about the same as when we recorded uh, a few minutes ago. Um, <laughs> peek behind the curtain. <laughs> or ruining the magic. Uh, call it what you will. <laughs> Uh, man, I'm sweating. It is hot in here. How do you have on that coat? I don't know. I, I, I'm not feeling it like you are, Chuck. Jeez. All right. I don't know what's going on. Um, welcome, everyone. Hope these mini crushes are going well for you. I am certainly enjoying them, and I think Noel is. Oh, big time. I don't want to speak for you, Noel. Speak away. Uh, all right. My name's Noel, and I'm super hot, too, and I just don't support Chuck. Lies. <laughs> uh, all right. This week, we're going to start... With segment one, uh, social studies. Social studies with Charles W. Chuck Bryant. And as you know, social studies is when I ask you on Facebook, on the Movie Crush page, a little question, and everybody answers. And this week, we're going to go with this question. What actor or actress will make you see a movie just because they're in it? And why? How about that? It's making me, it's making me think. Yeah, um, I'm going to go. Well, I have a couple of answers as usual. I so cheat when it comes to these things. Part of me says Michael Shannon, just because he's so awesome, and I will see anything that he's in for sure. I recently heard him described on NPR as as constantly playing bug-eyed psychopaths. Yeah. And I was like, that's not very nice. That's just how he looks. But then I looked at pictures of him, and he doesn't always look like that. <laughs> he can totally put on the bug-eyed expression, and yeah. that is like a thing that he does. That's He's true. a very attractive man. <laughs> He's acting. Um, so Noel has a crush on Michael Shannon, which Big is time. great. Yeah. Uh, but then part of me also says, um, like, you know, like George Clooney, because – of this reason is George Clooney the best actor ever? No, but he's really solid. And my deal with clones is if I'm talking about, will I see a movie if he's in it, I know it's going to be a good movie because people like George Clooney can be super selective. Now, uh, the George Clooney's and the Julia Roberts of the world are super selective in their movies. So 
nine times out of ten, a George Clooney movie is going to be a really good movie. Michael Clayton is going to be a great movie. Syriana is going to be a great movie. Uh, oh, Brother, Where Art Thou is going to be a great movie. Um, so if you're asking what movie would I see just because they're in it, Clooney's a pretty solid choice for me for that reason. Mine is Nicolas Cage. Oh, come on. You don't see, <laughs> no one alive has seen every movie Nicolas Cage is he in. He makes so many. I don't know. I, I, I think he's a delight. I'm really excited about his new movie, Mandy, coming out. Apparently he has I've heard like about a, that. a chainsaw fight. And yeah, yeah. Like, it's the guy that directed that movie, uh, Beyond the Black Rainbow, that was kind of this throwback VHS style, uh-huh. like, uh, synthy 80s, you know, sci-fi. And this one is apparently Nicolas Cage at his most batshit and unhinged. And yeah. used properly, because Nicolas Cage is like a deadly weapon, you know, right. in the wrong hands. Yes. He's going to burn the town down. But Which like, is to say yeah. his own hands. Exactly, yeah. Oh, I, I don't know. I, I I think he's a fascinating character. I'm only half joking. I, I love okay. seeing his bad movies, you know. The Wicker Man is, is insanely bad. I never, so far. I, I would not, I, did, I didn't see that. Yeah, no. We're, we're on two opposite sides of the spectrum here, Chuck. Yeah. I like the original, though. Um, all right, I'm going to go ahead and start listing some of these. Erica Winter says Richard Jenkins. Boy, he's great. Uh, he's an incredible actor, elevates even a mediocre script with his interpretation. Um, I agree with that. And I know you said you didn't love Shape of Water, but didn't you think he was fantastic? Yeah, I mean, he's great. Yeah. Six Feet Under is, is one oh. of my top three all-time shows. Yeah. And he's just, every time he appears, is the, uh, the ghost father. The ghost father. Yeah. Ghost dad. He is ghost dad. Um, Fox Rain Matthews says Gene Wilder. I uh, was raised in foster care growing up and always imagined him as my long lost father. Uh, that's how it started anyway. Boy, that's a great reason. Uh, we have a lot of Tom Hanks's in here. Uh, Brett Wellstead says Tom Hanks, uh, because he's been in a variety of roles in film genres, uh, comedy, drama, crime, suspense, dark, rom-com, sci-fi, animation. Um, that is true. Tom Hanks is solid. He doesn't really pick a stinker either, usually. I mean, I'm not, not crazy usually. about those Da Vinci movies. Those are just not, mm, my, not yeah, my thing. But not into that either. I'm, I'm sure they're fine. Did you see Cloud Atlas? That's one of those ones that people either said was fucking amazing yeah. or unwatchably bad. And I have not seen it, so I have yet to make a, a determination. I know. There. I need to check that out. Uh, quite a few Tom Hardys as well. Uh, Kayla M.H. says Tom Hardy. Not only is he gorgeous, but I love the intensity he brings to his roles. Uh, that is certainly true. He's great. Have you seen Bronson? Oh yeah, so oh, so good. That's where he's. Yeah, that's started it for me yeah, at least. It's one where he's all beefed up. It's like a Clockwork Orange in a lot of ways. Like yeah. the, the story to that movie and just the way it's shot. That's a true and, story. Oh yeah, yeah, about yeah. That guy, right? the, the, the way it's shot and like the way that character progresses reminds me a lot of of, of Kubrick and yeah, Clockwork Orange yeah. for sure. Uh, Blaine Turner says Tilda Swinton uh, so captivating and really vanishes into her characters. That is certainly true. Yeah, she's wonderful. Uh, Nick Kelly, I'll see anything Ryan Gosling since Drive came out, uh, mainly to see if he's playing Dark Side Ryan or Lars Ryan. Yeah, man, he's really versatile. I like Gosling. Same. Man crush. Uh, Avalon Rector, hey, we heard from Avalon on uh, Listener Mail in the last one. Dame Maggie Smith, she's a powerhouse and rocks everything she does. Her stint on Downton Abbey as a sarcastic dowager is tops. Boy, you are right there. Uh, Greta Koning says Daniel Day-Lewis. Of course. Yeah, I just saw Phantom Thread. I have not seen it yet. I'm very much looking forward to it. Man, what a movie. Uh, Jason Hancock again with Daniel Day-Lewis and anything. Um, Vanessa Lopez says Steve Buscemi. Sometimes the movies isn't, uh, aren't great. 
like Con Air and Armageddon, but he's a great character actor, always entertaining. Con Air is a masterpiece. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, Rene Chavez, John Cusack. So I'll say anything when I was uh, an impressionable 13 year old when my home life was a wreck and I escaped to the movies, uh, with movies and music. He's been a part of my movie going life since then. Uh, yeah, I like John Cusack, but boy, you want to read some stories, read I was about, about to say. Crazy John Cusack yeah. stories in Chicago. Apparently not the not the nicest fellow. Yeah, he sounds like a real piece of work. Here's the thing. Saving money with Geico is almost better than playing pickup basketball. Because there's always that guy who joins your game. He never passes the rock. He constantly bricks threes. And he'll completely hack you and then put his hands up and say, no foul, no foul. With GEICO, it's easy to switch and save on car insurance. No need to fake an ankle sprain because you're absolutely exhausted. So switch and save with GEICO. It's almost better than sports. Hey, it's Ben, Henry, and Marcus, hosts of The Last Podcast on the Left. Our show's dedicated to uncovering hilariously horrifying stuff. And now we're only on Spotify. Join, Join us. If you want. Obviously, we never force anyone to just blindly... Join us. That'd be crazy! But if you like stories about doomsday cults who do exactly that and more, please join us on Spotify. Visit Spotify.com slash last podcast to listen free. Uh, Jennifer Fitz Fee says Robert Duvall. Uh, Wayne Hickson says Jason Statham. Uh, Dan Stillhart Brody says Gary Oldman. Shannon Lambert, Tom Cruise in any action movie. Tom Cruise can rock the action picture. He's really good at running. I will say, I will say that. Uh, oh man, I saw a thing the other day where they showed the real, you know, he's famous for doing his own stunts. Uh-huh. They showed the behind the scenes. Um, I guess this is new mission impossible where he jumps from one building to another and it's really him. And he has, of course, wires and stuff, yeah. but he runs and jumps off of a building to another one and slams into the wall, comes up short. And it shows it in slow-mo and, like, cracks his ankle sideways. Oh, my God. So he's wired and stuff, but he got, like, legit injured. And it's crazy. Even if I had wires, I don't know, like, if I would do that. Well, he's, like, obviously some kind of magical, ageless pixie creature because he looks like he's 20 years old. And he's got to be pushing late 50s? How old do you think he is? Well, dude, I'm 46, and he's at at least 10 or 12 years older than me. Crazy. I think he's he's drinking – Children's blood or something to keep looking like that. He's drinking that Scientology juice. That's probably it. <laughs> uh, Annabelle Sutton says uh, ben- uh, Benedict Cumberbatch and Kristen Bell. Two great picks. Mm. I love me some Kristen Bell. She's great. Uh, oh, man. Mary Lydia, the late, great Philip Seymour Hoffman. Oh, Absolutely. Man, man heartbreaking. Uh, Rob, speaking of heartbreaking, Rob uh, Dickinson says Bill Paxton. Always so grounded and relatable. That is certainly true. I really enjoyed uh, Big Love a lot. I think that wasn't a lot of people's number one HBO show, but I watched it every moment of that. And I think he is such a grounded, interesting character, like flawed, but also just very yeah. human and relatable in that show. As unrelatable a situation as that, you know, show. I think Emily picks. saw that. I never saw that. It's great about the you know polygamy in uh, mm-hmm. in Utah. Debbie Huntsman Drought says Meryl Streep. Well, I know that's a bit of an obvious answer, but. You can't go wrong with Meryl Streep. Tim Curry from Lisa Mata Bond. Interesting. Tim Curry is great. Um, it's very sad that he is uh, not going to be acting anymore. 
I, I think he's making appearances though. Someone said that he was at a con. They saw him at a con recently, yeah. and that he's uh, you know with it enough to like do those appearances. So yeah, he had a pretty severe stroke, wasn't that what it was? That was what it was. Yeah, very sad. The great Tim Tim Curry. And his best work uh, is in the movie Congo. If you haven't seen Congo, that's some serious scenery chewing <laughs> character. Right, plays in that. You know what I'm talking about the one with the monkeys uh-huh. shooting the lasers? Yeah. <laughs> It was like, you know, a cash grab after Jurassic Park did so well. It is Jurassic Park. It is not, I tell you. Right. Yeah. Uh, Kristen Glenn Kister says, Helen Mirren, always. Totally agree. I have the biggest crush on Heron, uh, Helen Mirren. That's me talking, by the way. Uh, Catherine Berwitz, uh, Ewan McGregor. Ewan's pretty great. Uh, Robert Lamb, our own Robert Lamb, the stuff to blow your mind, says, Brad Dorif, because you know he's always going to breathe the right level of wide-eyed insanity into the part. And now I Google Brad Dorif. He was the voice of Chucky. Tell you that. Oh, he was also the Doc in uh, in Deadwood and yeah. Well, he was, uh, he was in Blue he was Velvet. In, uh, I remember him from uh, One Floor of the Cuckoo's Nest. Oh my God! I didn't even remember that. But yeah, he was one of the uh, asylum mates. I guess. Yeah, and the kind of the main uh, a lot of the story revolves around what happens to him, mm-hmm. uh, which I won't spoil, mm-hmm. even though the movie's like a hundred years old. Uh, Jessica Foley says Julia Roberts. Yeah, that's true. What I mentioned earlier, she doesn't act much anymore. And you can bet if she does, it's going to be a pretty good movie. Remember in your Tig and Taro interview, she was talking about Cher. Uh-huh. And Cher was only, you know, does a movie once in a blue moon and they're all super high caliper. I yeah. think that's a, an interesting one too. Totally. Uh, Brian, uh, Throckmorton. No, oh, what's up, Brian? I know Brian from way back. Sally Hawkins and Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell for sure. All right, I guess that probably winds it up. Did I read enough? Yeah, that was a good number. Eve Elliott, Vigo Mortensen? Oh, yes. Oh, Vigo is good. History of Violence. I watched that again for the first time in years recently. And so that great. is excellent, excellent film. Did you see Captain Fantastic? I loved it. I loved oh, it. Loved so it. great. I think it got a bad rap for being too overly schmaltzy or, you know. Oh. You know I thought it was just amazing. It just got me. Caleb uh, Wyatt says Bill Murray and Michael Cera. Uh Hey, there's a, uh, there's a Nick Cage fan in here. Adam Balkovic. My boy. Nice. All right. So uh, we're going to move on. Thanks for those answers. That was great. Uh, we're going to move on to segment two, uh, and we're going to do highlight reel this week. And so for highlight reel, as you know, I just highlight whatever I feel like highlighting, whether it's a, a movie or an actor or a director uh, or maybe a, a few movies from a director. And this week I'm going to go with the wonderful actor Amy Adams, um, one of my favorites. Um, her career, you know, she started in TV, did a bunch of TV, small roles for a few years, kind of the traditional path. Uh, and then the first thing I saw her in was Catch Me If You Can, the great, uh, Steven Spielberg movie with Leo DiCaprio as the, uh, can't remember his name, but the, the true story of the guy who, uh, wrote fake checks mm-hmm. to great success. Just like an expert grifter. Yes, yeah. expert grifter. That's a good way to put I, it. I like that too because it's you know it's a period piece. It's like seventies, I guess, or late late sixties. And there's a part in Atlanta that is always interesting. Yeah, yeah. Know, when they're this party pad, like, uh-huh. you know, in Midtown or something. Yeah. Well, actually, that party pad was a uh, was a party pad near the Chattahoochee River, and it was a legendary apartment complex on the on the hooch. Oh. For um, singles only. Okay. Like no kids, and it was uh, pretty. I, I had looked it up. I remember at the time. And it was just kind of one of those places yeah. that existed only in that time. <laughs> That's awesome. That's good. Good bit of trivia there. Key party every night. Um, so she was in Catch Me If You Can, and she played 
the kind of doe-eyed, um, well, young wife, he married her. I think she had even braces at the beginning of the role. Um, and she was just so young at the time. And then she kind of broke out from there, uh, in 2005 with the, the great, as a critic, Starling in the great independent film, Junebug. Um, that really put her on the map. And then she had a really terrific run, uh, over the next few years in Sunshine Cleaning, um, and Doubt. Uh, Doubt. Did you see that? That's a great one. No, I, I, I should though. I know people. Yeah. It's pretty hard. Highly of it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Julie and Julia, of course, in 2010, uh, David O. Russell's The Fighter and The Master in 2012. Pretty heavy year for her. Uh, 2013, American Hustle and then Arrival and Nocturnal Animals. Um, just a couple of years ago. Have you seen Nocturnal Animals? I love Nocturnal Animals. Ooh, daddy. It's intense, but it's, Man. it's like perfect. Hits all the boxes for me. It's like yep. creepy, atmospheric, surreal, yep. violent, amazing performances. It's got that kind of unreliable narrator quality to it, which yeah. I really like. It's a really cool movie. Yeah, I saw Nocturnal Animals without knowing anything about it, which is wonderful when that happens because the name doesn't really tell you much and uh, you're really not sure where the story's going when you start watching that movie. Yeah, and Michael Shannon like doesn't play a bug-eyed sociopath in that one. I think he's like the sheriff, like a kind of a good guy character. That's right. So he can do it. Yeah. Um. Anyway, she's just great. She's been in a lot of movies in between, obviously, uh, in Big Eyes, which I did not like, but she's great. Um. She had a small part in the Spike Jones movie Her, uh, which I just saw again the other night. Good movie. And of course, played Lois Lane. Probably the best thing about those Superman movies to me. Uh. And she's just so versatile. When Amy Adams shows up, you know you're going to get a great performance. Um, she has the ability to be so natural no matter what role she's playing. Um, and that's really like the mark of a great actor to me is when they're just – you can never tell that she's acting. She's just so effortless in everything that she's in. Um, physically, she's really – she's like a casting director's uh, dream because she can play the plain Jane next door or um, like an American Hustle. She can – uh, you can glamour her up, uh, because she's very beautiful, obviously, but she can run the gamut on, um, who she plays. She can play anything. Um, and it, again, it's just so effort, effortless. She's, there's really no role that I don't think that she could tackle, um, successfully. And you can tell in the past few years, obviously, everything from American Hustle, which she just chewed through that movie, um, to Arrival, which was a very, um, kind of an internal performance, I think. Is that a fair way of saying it? I think so. Yeah. Um, it's not big. No, but there's a, exactly. There's a lot of emotional uh -huh. uh, complexity in that that reveals itself kind of gradually throughout the movie. And then there's a big kind of reveal. Um, yeah. Big, big stuff. Yeah, I, I love that movie. That movie really got me. Yeah, me too. Yeah. If you're not like shedding tears in Arrival, then again, you're dead inside. Uh, so that's my highlight reel for the week. Amy Adams, man, maybe one day the show can get to the point where I'm sitting down with people like her. You didn't like Big Eyes? No. How come? <laughs> uh, I thought the movie just wasn't very good, and Christoph Waltz, um, the casting of Christoph Waltz really bugged me. Really? Yeah. Yeah, because he was from Oklahoma, and Christoph Waltz comes in there and he didn't can't, even... He can't not do that. He can't hide his accent, <laughs> and he is just a man from Oklahoma. He over-enunciates everything. Yeah, and he didn't even try. It was so I weird. Know. It just threw me, it threw me from the whole movie because I was just like, why, why, why cast a German guy to play a dude from Oklahoma? I can see that. I guess I didn't, 
it wasn't made real clear in the movie that he was from Oklahoma to me, and I didn't know anything about the story, and I just thought he probably was, thought he was Austrian or German. I, I, yeah, but in real to, life, to me that didn't really play <laughs> in, into the into the movie. Uh, it, but I, I quite enjoyed it. But it's it's a real cloying, awful, awful character. That yeah, he plays he's just like the worst. He steals, you know, his. Uh, he basically like kind of marries this woman who is a really talented painter. He uh-huh. himself is like a hack painter and then ends up like stealing her work and kind right. of almost like keeping her enslaved almost for years. Yeah. It's such a f- crazy story that it kind of kept me invested. And I like uh, a small Tim Burton movie too. So that yeah. kind of, it had me in, in that respect, but All right. I can see what you're saying, Chuck. Thumbs up from Noel on big eyes. Thumbs down from me. Totally thumbs down. <laughs> Although Amy Adams was great in it, uh, I think I remember just feeling like that true story deserved better than what it got. So put that in your pipe and smoke it, but not literally because we're at work. <laughs> uh, all right. And uh, finally, we finish uh, with stream this and comment card uh, stream this. I yesterday in real time watched the ritual. Have you seen it yet? It's horror. Yes. Is it Netflix original? Oh, okay. Well, that's not true. Netflix bought it. Yeah. Uh, but is it, it one it of is... our Atlanta guys that had something to do with that? Yeah, David Bruckner. Okay. So David Bruckner is a local Atlanta filmmaker. He made his name originally with uh, his his part of the anthology horror movie The Signal. Um, it was a three part, and he on he went on to do three anthology movies in a row. So he did segments of The Signal, uh, VHS, and Southbound, and um. Uh, personally think he was probably the best part of all three of those movies. But Bruckner is super talented and it took him a long time to get his first feature under his belt. He was uh he he really made a name for himself. So he was attached to the the Friday the 13th um reboot for a while and as it goes in Hollywood it, it kind of went into turnaround hell, I think, and he never got that off the ground. Um you know, not his fault of course. And, uh, it just took a while for, for David and to get in there and get his first feature going. And I think this one came together pretty quick. Um, in the end, it was based on a novel, um, maybe a novella, a short novel. Uh, and it's called The Ritual, just released in real time here, uh, this week. So that would be kind of early mid February. And it's, it's really good. It's unnerving. Um, and I actually got in touch with David and he's going to be on the show, which is going to be great. Cool. He's in LA now. So it's going to have to be out there. So the, the uh, Dan Bush is kind of in that world too, right? Correct. Dan also directed one of the uh, Signal uh, pieces, and our illustrious uh, boss Connell Byrne is is in those movies often. That's right. Yeah, that that is it comes weirdly uh, full circle here. Um, but the ritual is a story about these four friends, um, and uh, I guess they're in London at the beginning of the movie, um, but they're they're British dudes. And, uh, I don't want to spoil anything, but, uh, the friends end up going on a hiking trip through Sweden, uh, to honor their friend. Um, and they take a shortcut through the forest to get to the, uh, the, wherever they're uh, going to end up, like a lodge to get there quicker. Uh, and as you know, when you take a shortcut through the forest, bad things happen, Noel. Every single time. Every single time. I'm like, how do these people not know they're in a horror movie? Don't do it. Don't go that way. No. In fact, one of the characters even has a line that says uh, shortcuts like aren't even real or something because if, if they were, they would just be called uh, the route. 
<laughs> you know, the, the hike, the, exactly. tr- the, the trudge. Yeah. So the ritual is great. It's, um, genuinely unnerving and spooky and creepy. And David does an exceptional job of, uh, my favorite thing in these kind of movies, which is called dread building. Um, not giving you too much, really anticipate, like building up this anticipation of, oh shit, what is going on here? What is going to happen with these guys? What is this thing in the woods that is, uh, haunting slash stalking them? Uh, really, really terrific job there. And, uh, the hardest part of these movies to me is the payoff that, that end, you know, 15 or 20 minutes or so, that third act is really tough in a movie like this because, there's always the choice of like, if there's a creature, do you, how much do you show of the creature? Do you give it all away? Do you explain it or not? Um, and I just think David did a great job wrapping this one up. It was satisfying to me on all levels. Mm-hmm. Just hearing you describe it kind of makes me think of it comes at night. Have you seen that? Where it's sort of like, I have not yet. They're in the woods. I heard it's awesome. Cabin and you know, the, the threat of a creature or uh-huh. this idea, this existential dread is as much the thing that builds the tension as any actual reveal of right. a dead creature or yeah. thing, you know. I mean, that's the, that's what I want, at least out of my movies like this. Um, you can take your, your hostels. I saw the green inferno the other day. Finally, have you seen that? That's like the kind of cannibal Holocaust type one. Yeah. Eli Roth's nah, kind of homage to those movies. Those. Well, oh, too much. It was just bad. Too much. Yeah. Yeah. Just wasn't any good. Uh, the only over over the top gore I like is stuff like Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, or yeah, you sense know, of humor to like it, kind of weird schlocky Japanese gangster movies and stuff. But when it, the torture porn stuff, just I just I don't see the point. Yeah, I actually fast forwarded through much of uh, Green Inferno. I just kind of wanted to finally see what the deal was, and I know the deal, and it's not that great of a deal. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the ritual you can get on Netflix. Uh, David made this himself, and then uh, sold it to Netflix. So that's where it will live forever. So go check it out and support David Bruckner. Um, great guy. Disgraceland, a music and true crime podcast about musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Hosted by me, Jake Brennan, is back with season five. And you're not going to want to miss new episodes on Guns N' Roses, Jay-Z, Prince, Ozzy Osbourne, Nipsey Hussle, Selena, The Rolling Stones, and more. Winner of the recent 2019 Best Music Podcast Award by iHeartRadio and named to Apple Podcast Best of 2019 list for the second straight year, Season 5 of Disgraceland is set to explode into your ears once more with all the crime, grime, scandal, and drama you've grown addicted to. Billboard Magazine, Variety, GQ, Forbes, Ryan Seacrest, and Rolling Stone have all praised Disgraceland. If you love music and if you love true crime, then you're going to love this show. Listen to Disgraceland on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Rockerola. Finally, we finish up here with comment cards, some uh, emails from you guys. Uh, and this one is from Aaron Burke. What is a book you want to make into a movie? You would want made into a movie. Um, I'm going to go with my first instinct here, Aaron. And say the book Middlesex. Uh, I've been long on record as saying it's one of my favorite books, if not my favorite, from the great Jeffrey Eugenides. And uh, he also wrote The Virgin Suicides, which made a great movie. And um, it's just really, really terrific. It's a wonderful story. Uh, Middlesex, however, 
would be tough to make into a two-hour film. And so the last thing I saw, which would be great, is that somebody, I think Showtime, might have been developing it for a uh, limited-run series, which is the perfect way to tell the story of Middlesex. And I think, I mean, this is a few years ago, so clearly there are uh, some problems um in development with it because I don't think it's like right around the corner, but hopefully Showtime still has their eyes on the prize with Middlesex. Uh, Cause that would be just, just great to see that on the small big screen. You got one, Noel? I don't read nearly enough as I should, Chuck. <laughs> All right. Fair enough. <laughs> oh, I will say though, I'd, I'd love to see uh, a modern adaptation of the grapes of wrath. And I know Whoa. that's a classic, the, okay. the, the film, but I just would love to see it like a la, P.T. Anderson or something. Yeah. Like big, sweeping, like, uh-huh. you know, modern Grapes of Wrath. Yeah, I hear you. Like with uh, cell phones and... Uh, no! Laser tag. <laughs> Just with, you know, Ryan Gosling and Amy Adams. <laughs> oh, man. All right. Boom. Sold. Casting director. Hit me up. All right. Number two, Carrie Gray. Uh, best and Worst Remake. Um, I am going to go... I mentioned this in the last episode. Uh, Arthur is the Worst Remake. And when it comes to bad remakes, it's probably because that first movie was important to you. The original Arthur was very important to me as a movie. In fact, I'll do a whole segment on Arthur at some point. Uh, and I only saw a little bit of the remake. I just, I didn't even want to see a little bit of it. Uh, even though our pal John Hodgman is in it, uh, briefly. It's just, it was a bad idea. The great Greta Gerwig is in it. Russell Brand is great. And on paper, I would have thought, you know what? Russell Brand, perfect casting. To replace Dudley Moore, but uh, in the end, just don't remake Arthur. <laughs> yeah, Russell Brand's a bit much sometimes. Yeah, too. yeah. Do you got a mo- uh, bad remake? A bad remake. I just, I don't go for. I don't. I try not to watch bad movies if possible, unless they're Nicolas Cage movies. <laughs> right. <Man. laughs> no, nothing comes to mind right off. The Nicholas. Th- this is becoming a bit now. I like it. Yeah, I'm a fan. Uh, and then the best remakes. I'm, I'm just gonna list a few of them here. Some of my favorites. Uh, Scarface, the, the Brian De Palma version, um, with Al Pacino, one of the great, great remakes of all time. Uh, Cape Fear, uh, the Martin Scorsese, Robert De Niro, uh, Nick Nolte, uh, Jessica Lang version, and Juliette Lewis, one of the great, great remakes of all time. Uh, and I'm gonna stick with Scorsese with The, the Departed. That was a remake of a foreign film called Infernal Affairs. And The Departed is, was one of my favorite movies of that year. Uh, some people don't like that movie. I don't get it. I think it's just terrific. I think it's excellent. Uh, this one came up um, in your interview with John Ronson. The Let the Right One In oh, yeah. remake is excellent. I would yeah. argue a little unnecessary, but very, very good. Yep. Agreed. Let me in. Very good job with that one. Good question, Carrie Gray. And then finally, Shannon Lee asks Chuck and Noel, you can watch only one genre for the rest of your life, which would it be? One genre of movie. That is tough. Um, Shannon, I'm going to go, I'm going to let Noel think, and I'm going to go with, I'm going to go, I think, with drama. Just straight up drama. Um, and drama is on a bit on a spectrum, so that includes, um, that includes a lot. So maybe that's why I'm picking it. I would, you know, I love to laugh and I love comedies, but there are so few really great comedies these days. I feel like I would be wasting my time. Um, romantic comedies, certainly not if I was going to pick a genre. Sci-fi, I love 
for sure. Horror I like, but I, I, I don't think I could diet only on those movies. So I'm going to go with just straight up drama. I think that's a bit of a cheat, Chuck, because drama can include sci-fi. Drama has comedy. Drama has, you know, if it's a good yeah, film. Yeah, but if it's got sci-fi in it, it will be called sci-fi. In this, That's the rules of this exercise? I think so. Okay. What are you picking? I think drama as well. Only I was going to say comedy, but I feel like so much good drama has comedy in it. And sure. like these days, like stuff that's billed as a straight comedy it's not usually great. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. so if it's a good film, like Lady Bird, for example, which I have not seen, but apparently has a lot of humor in it, but you know, it's not a comedy. No, Lady Bird, I would call it coming of age drama. Right. Yeah. For sure. I think encapsulated within drama, you kind of get all of the, uh, the, the tasty bits that you need for your movie diet. So I think that's a good one, Chuck. Tasty bits from Noel. So that's another mini crush in the can, right, Noel? It is, in fact, in the can, like a film can. Is that what we're talking about? Uh, that's where it comes from. Cool. If I'm not mistaken. You learn something new every day that you probably already should have known. That's right. Uh, great subtitle for this show. So your homework this week, everybody, is the great independent film Party Girl starring Parker Posey. Uh, this week's guest is going to be Guy Branham. Uh, wonderful, awesome, super smart, just great guy. Um, great guy. See what I did there? Uh, guy's a comedian. He, uh, he does this great show called, uh, talk show, the game show. And he's just a great dude. It was good to have him in here. And I wanted to do, I wanted to start my own podcast with Guy after we, uh, we did that episode. And so we talked about Party Girl. Watch it this week. And thanks a lot for listening. Hey, I'm Joe Levy, and on the latest episode of Inside the Studio, I sat down with one of the all-time great singer-songwriters, James Taylor. We talked about his new album, where his music comes from, and how telling his life story through his songs has helped him. Music saved my life, but I was lucky also to survive. I did some very stupid, some some years that were, were just really high risk, unnecessarily so, and a lot of people around us died, you know. So join me, Joe Levy, editor-at-large at Billboard, for this and other in-depth conversations with the biggest artists in music. Listen on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. The Only Way is Through, a new podcast in partnership with iHeartRadio and Under Armour. Players, coaches, and athletes will share intimate and personal stories of performing at the highest level. This season, Notre Dame women's basketball coach Muffin McGraw is battling a losing record. Every game knowing you're supposed to win, that really weighs heavy on your shoulders. And I think I said at one point, wouldn't it be great to be the underdog again? My husband said, be careful what you wish for. And here we are. Listen to The Only Way is Through, available now on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts.